Hey guys, SleepyJ here, pregame.com. Gonna go ahead and talk some NBA action with our boy Smooth. We're gonna go ahead, we're gonna talk a couple games here on the Monday NBA card. Also gonna hit a couple hot topics for you. Smooth, it's 2023, 2022 is out of the way. Curious how you went ahead and spent your New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Were you watching football all day today? Did you celebrate late last night? Uh, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty good time. You know, I was on a out here on Vegas on, on the strip a little bit and you know one of the fine hotels that we have that you know uh, collect a lot of money from a lot of locals and, and, and visitors so it was really good uh, watch the college football playoffs uh, was real surprised with the well not real surprised but um, kind of thrilled you know that we had two really good exciting games I didn't have any action on either one but uh you know, uh, TCU kind of, you know, uh, living up to that underdog role. And, um, you know, Ohio State almost pulled off the upset over Georgia. So I uh, just spent time watching those games, kept my eye on some NBA stuff and, uh, you know, getting ready for this, uh, I guess you can say, uh, stretch that the NBA is about to go into with, you know, football kind of winding down a little bit for college football and, uh, playoffs about to kick off for NFL, so uh, yeah, just getting ready for this NBA run. All right, well, I didn't do a whole hell of a lot last night. I was actually um, I was in bed when uh, when it struck midnight. I heard all the fireworks and stuff going off, all the crazy people out there running around. But I was uh, I was pretty tired out from all the sports stuff over the last couple of days. But we got another big day of bowl games going on today. Uh, NFL interesting yesterday. Couple teams locked up some playoff seeds. My Green Bay Packers won again, so I was happy about that. And uh, I'm currently up 18.7 points. And the guy that I'm going against, this is the championship. He has Joe Burrow, and I have Jamar Chase. So I really like my chances there. I figure if Burrow goes off, there's no way he goes off without Jamar Chase being a part of that. And we all know how how good both of those guys are. So it'll be interesting. And then we have the college football. Uh, title game coming up here next Monday uh, with TCU and Georgia. I w- I too there smooth was was I was like watching both of those games. I was like, damn man, these these teams are just. I mean, eighty three points of one game, ninety six in the other. I was like, man, I, I knew Ohio State was not making that field goal. I was just like, there's no way they're making this field goal and ended up. You know, M- Michigan ends up losing. You know, and Michigan beat them. It was just crazy couple of days of uh, of sports, but this is certainly. My my favorite time of the year, you know, we, we just got so much stuff going on. But like you said, you know, we're getting ready now for the stretch run in the NBA. So you and I are going to go ahead, knock some games out today. Hopefully we can go ahead and, you know, continue to go ahead and do some podcasts, things like that for everybody. I do want to start out here uh, with one of the earlier games tomorrow. This will be a 7 p.m. tip off. Uh, we have the Pelicans. We have the 76ers. Current line in this game, minus five and a half. And we have a total of 231. Now these teams just played the other day there and the Pelicans end up coming out with a win and CJ McCollum had a really good game. I don't know if you look at this game there smooth, but I do want to ask you a weird question when it comes to college football and this particular game, but do you have any likes or leans with the Pelicans and 76ers? I was kind of leaning towards the Pelicans there. Uh, a little bit worried that, you know, the Pelicans really, you know, beat 
the 76ers really sound on their home court. And with it being really recent, um, you know, Sixers could have some revenge, you know, out, um, you know, a couple of their players didn't play their last game against the uh, Thunder there where they got a good win there before they returned back home. You know, Maxie sat out and uh, James Harden sat out. So those two guys could be a little bit rested and uh, play with a little bit more added motivation to get a win against a good Pelicans team. So, Right now, probably just a lean for me towards the Pelicans and see if I can get maybe a better number. But I got my eyes on some other action for uh, this Monday card. All right. Well, the reason I brought that game up and the reason I do want to ask you a little bit about this weird college football angle that sometimes occurs is there's big games on tomorrow. And, you know, a lot of these teams have uh, teams that are in the state and Penn State's going to play tomorrow. And, you know, one of the biggest bowl games, it's going to be the Rose Bowl. And I will tell you this, if, if you're east of the Allegheny River, you're rooting for Penn State tomorrow. You're more than likely watching Penn State tomorrow. Uh, that game kicks off at 5 o'clock. So I, I'm just curious, and the reason I ask you is because I do want to ask you about, you know, some of the L.A. teams that are playing in bowl games tomorrow, some of the L.A. teams that are playing on their home floor tomorrow. But do you put any stock into that? like, Or, or does it have to be like just it lines up perfectly to where, you know, maybe a team like Penn State's playing where the Philadelphia 76ers crowd might not show up tomorrow? And then I think the only the only real advantage for us is to say, okay, well, let's just say we're given two and a half points for home court advantage. You know, do we deduct for something weird like that? So I don't know if you looked at that with this particular game. Uh, It's just something that that I kind of brought up. But I do think that maybe it'll have a little bit more of an impact with the game later on. And we'll talk about that one. But do you you put any stock in this stuff like that? Because I kind of do sometimes. Yeah, I think you have to uh, at least pay some type of attention to it because, um, as we know, uh, football is king. You know, if you go back to uh, Christmas Day where, you know, that's kind of the official day to a lot of sports bettors and sports fans where, you know, NBA kicks off. Um, This year we had some NFL games. And if you go back and look at those ratings – um, even some of the worst games, you know, for that NFL card got, you know, double, triple, and maybe even quadruple some of the best, you know, rated games in the NBA. And, you know, with college football being at its peak with these bowl games and, you know, some of these schools in certain states that have, you know, um, teams playing in some really uh, significant bowls, um, you know, their, their fan base in that city, that crowd could be, you know, uh, more tuned in to, uh, the outcome of the bowl games for those uh, for those schools like Penn State and some of the L.A. teams. So I think you definitely got to can take some of that into consideration when you're handicapping the, uh, these matchups. I think one of the easiest way for us to probably go through and, and look and just see if there's any, you know, any type of regression with the crowds is just go through and look at the capacity. That's one of the cool things that ESPN, ESPN will do, who showed up in attendance. So I don't know. It's just something for us to look at and maybe dive into. Uh, maybe at some point, you know, during the off season or, you know, throughout the season. Uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Bulls and the Cavaliers. Cavaliers right now minus three and a half. Uh, no total on this game as of now. Now, there's a couple books out there, Bookmaker, Bovada, uh, DraftKings. They all have lines up right now. Three and a half seems to be the best line uh, that we can find, at least the consensus line. You have a pick on that one you kind of liked, right? Yeah, I was um, – I'm on the Bulls side here. Uh, right now, some of the, like you mentioned, some of the books – have a three, three and a half up. You know, if you get the three and a half, I like that number better, obviously, with the hook on there. But uh, these teams just played, you know, pretty recently uh, back on uh, December 31st. And it was in uh, Chicago. So the Cavs got a, a one point 
uh, win on their home floor. So with this being pretty recent, I think the Bulls are, you know, looking to get some uh, some revenge um, and play with some added motivation. You know, with this also being a uh, division game, uh, this year the Bulls have been have been outplaying uh, the Cavs when it comes to division play. Uh, currently at four one and one ATS in division games, but also because they play played each other so much, being in the same division, uh, the Bulls have some strong historical trends that back them up. You know, right now they're currently on a 21 and seven ATS run with the last 28 games that they played in Cleveland and a 34, 16 and one ATS run over the last 50, 51 uh, games overall. So um, with these, with these games being, you know, pretty close to each other, um, are playing on New Year's Eve, you know, I think the Bulls is pretty fresh on their minds. And going back to that game, um, the Bulls are, are a pretty good uh, three-point shooting team. They rank top 10 from a percentage standpoint, shooting about 37% as a team. But on their home floor, they underperformed a little bit at 33%. So I think that was a little bit different in the outcome of that matchup. So I think they shoot a little bit better uh, going on the road here. As uh, I think they'll be a little bit more locked in. So um, right now, like you said, like I said, getting that three and a half, I really like that number. Uh, I have this no, this line set about two, two and a half. So I think there's some value, you know, getting that uh, three with the hook with the Bulls. So um, that'll be my play in this matchup. And I wouldn't be surprised if they won this one outright as well. All right. So Smooth, we're going to go ahead and take a look at the Bulls. You know, we did a podcast the other day there, Smooth, and we were talking a little bit, you know, about some trade stuff, trade rumors that were going on. Now, you and I, we went ahead, we put a long list together. Uh, of some players, but why don't we go ahead and, and, and kind of kick that off here with some of the players that are going to be in this game, and two of the big names right now are DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. A lot of people, you know, chattering right now that these players could be moved. They could end up with some type of a swap deal that's going on. So with those two players in general, and here's what I want to do with the list. I just want to say the player's name. I want you to give me a percentage that they move and the best fit possible that you think. Because you know these teams. You know how to play the game of basketball. You know where these guys' games are at and what they do well and probably where they'll fit best. So I think that this is something fun for us to do. Uh, we could pick up the, the the longer end of the list, you know, maybe a little bit later on in the pod. But with these two players in general, Levine and DeRozan, why don't you give me like a percentage on Levine because he's a name that's been thrown around a little bit. And then why don't you tell me where, you know, his best fit is, at least in your eyes. Yeah, with uh, Zach Levine, there's been a lot of uh, recent, you know, trade rumors cir- circulating around him and maybe even, you know, coming out of his own camp. Um, you know, he's an L.A. kid, uh, went to UCLA, and it's it's been pretty much no secret for the last couple of years that he wants to get back to his hometown and play for the Lakers. Now, being that he just signed a, a pretty lucrative extension in the offseason, and, you know, the Lakers are pretty, you know, cap strong um, and they don't really have the assets. If you're just trying to do a a, a trade for trade, you know, to try to uh, get Zach Levine, because I do think that would be a good fit for him if they, you know, um, if the Bulls were somehow interested in, in some of the pieces, um, you know, that the Lakers could, you know, put in a trade that can land them Zach Levine to match up the salaries. But, um, you know, that would be a fit that I would think that, uh, will best fit him. Um, another team would probably be the the Mavericks uh, to try to play alongside Luca. Now they have a lot more interesting pieces uh, with the Mavs that you know the Bulls could possibly throw, um, or the the Mavs that could probably throw at the Bulls. 
So uh, those two teams come to the top of my mind. And, you know, to give it a percentage of, of, as far as, you know, uh, how confident I'm in, how confident I am that he'll be traded, um, I would go north of 50%. Um, just given the state of the Bulls right now, they're really struggling and underperforming compared to where they were last year, uh, about four or five games under 500 right now. Um, and, you know, just given the, you know, not just the recent, you know, trade rumors circula- circulating around him, um, but he's also had some uh, some issues with the coach uh, and Billy Donovan. Um, the last few weeks or so, there's been a couple games where he was benched in crunch time and he has some strong uh, opinions about that. Um, he's actually been playing pretty well since then, but, you know, just a lot of uh, – um, a lot of chaos, if you say, you know, circulating, you know, around him and the situation in Chicago. And uh, DeRozan, kind of the same thing. Uh, I know he's been, you know, performing at a high level, you know, going ever since he's been with the Bulls. But um, with their big three, with, you know, himself, Levine, and Vucevic, um, it just really hasn't lived up to the expectations, um, you know, coming off of last year. So uh, I would say it would be a pretty high percentage that those guys get moved either, you know, sometime uh, before this trade deadline or even going into the offseason in the summertime. Yeah, so the trade deadline is going to be February the 9th. I think one of the big issues here with this Bulls team smooth was the fact that they lost Lonzo Ball. I felt like when he was out there on that floor with this group that this was a much better basketball team. Now, uh, you know, going back to two weeks ago, they said that he was like progressing nicely towards maybe running at some point, but no, I don't even know if we'll even see Lonzo back on the floor. So it seems like you you seem pretty convinced, at least from a percentage wise, that there's a, by the time the trade deadline comes, that Levine or DeRozan, that one one or two of those players, that that one of them's definitely not there. Is that is that what it, kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, I think so. Uh, especially if their you know inconsistent play continues to the level that it's been, um, I could see for sure you know one of those two guys move before the deadline. All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's uh, let's put the the trade talk with all the guys that we have. We have a big list here. Let's go ahead and let's move that on further around uh, down the down our list of stuff to do here. We do want to talk a little bit about Luca. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the Nets. I want to discuss those guys. Uh, that team's been red hot. They're laying a ton of points here. Smooth uh, thirteen and a half points to the Spurs here on Monday. I'm not sure if you put any thought into that game, but. This team's absolutely rolling. Do you think they come up with a, a, a lame duck effort here, you know, at home after the new year? Uh, do you think that there's a chance that they can cover this this number? I mean, this number seems like it's a little crazy. I know it's the Spurs. They're not very good. But 13 and a half, man, it, just, it, it seems like a lot of points. I didn't really look too much into this game, but just given the recent play of the Nets, uh, I wouldn't want to step in front of them. Um, you know, during this run that they're on, I think it's 15 of their last 16 or something like that that they've won. Uh, they've they've had a, a couple big numbers and they've you know um, they've uh, you know beat those. If you go back to um, the the game against the Warriors on their home court, you know when they scored, I think it was ninety at half. You know they was laying a pretty big number there. I think ten and a half or eleven against a a pretty you know a reputable team. You know it's definitely more than the Spurs, and they you know took care of them you know pretty comfortably, pretty easy. So. Um, there's no way I can get involved in, in playing the Spurs against a, a red hot team, you know, like Brooklyn. Um, so it'll probably just be, you know, Brooklyn or pass. You want to look to get involved in some 
uh, first quarter bet, first half bets, or some player props for the Nets, that might be a, a stronger option because they do have a, um, a a tough schedule coming up. You know, after this matchup, uh, where they play the Bulls, Pelicans, and Heat, uh, some obviously some better competition and formidable opponents. If you're talking about the Bulls and Heat in their own conference, and the Pelicans out west, you know, one of the top two records there. So. In this matchup, it'll probably just be a, a Nets or pass play, but maybe look at some player props or some other ways to get involved with the Nets. Well, I noticed that the Nets right now are the third team when it comes to the NBA title odds. You can find them, you know, anywhere from five to one to nine to one. But this team's won 15 out of their last 16 games. And most recently, you know, they've won seven out of their last like 10 games, seven out of their last nine, actually, uh, on the road. I think that that that's important is because, you know, sometimes you're going to get, you know, teams that are that are running hot or something like that. And they're, they're playing really well, but they're going to come up short a time or two on the road. But the fact that this team's winning, all I mean, they've won seven straight road games. So clearly this team's playing like their best basketball right now. You know, if, if they are playing their best basketball, my gut tells me because they haven't been at home, you know, for a couple of days that there's a chance that they looked at to get like a real feel good win. Like maybe get KD close to 40, maybe go ahead and try to get Kyrie close to 40, or maybe Ben Simmons goes out and has like a real big game. I, I, I could see Brooklyn going out there and maybe, you know, trying to hit like the 140 mark. Uh, they did that not too long ago against the Warriors. So I, I know it looks it looks enticing, you know, all of those points, but I just don't know if you want to step in front of the Brooklyn train either. And the fact that they haven't been home for a couple of days, um, that there's a chance. And they've only won like three games out of this, you know, this, this winning run that they're on right now um at home so i think they're going to want to excite the home crowd so you know just talking a little bit about that but um yeah i don't know i don't know if i would lay all those points but there's just no way i don't think i could take the spurs uh in this particular spot so let's move with the nets in mind and talking about the title odds right now right now boston is favored to go and win the title if you put boston you put brooklyn on the floor together right now these current teams you know, which one of these teams would you favor? Do you think that Brooklyn would, would have a shot, you know, in a seven-game series against Boston? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, but I think it'll have, for me, it'll come down to, uh, you know, whose home court are we on? Or, you know, looking at a neutral here, I wouldn't, you know, think that uh, – I wouldn't think that the Celtics would be, you know, more than two points better than Brooklyn on a, on a neutral court. So uh, just given, you know, how well both teams have played on their home court, uh, it'll come down to that for me, but um, and you also got to go back to last year when these two teams matched up in the first round, um, and they, and Brooklyn got swept. A lot of fans and betters weren't expecting Boston to win as easily as they did, you know, sweeping them like that, and um, KD perf- uh, underperforming, you know, to the standard that we've seen them play at. So I also think that'll be fresh on Brooklyn's mind if these two teams happen to happen to meet up in in the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that. I think you'll see a much better effort out of Brooklyn, especially, you know, under Jock Vaughn, uh, as he's gotten, you know, that train on the right track, you know, with the star players, you know, all playing and, you know, they've had a, a great healthy stretch here. Um, so I think you'll see a lot better performance out of Brooklyn um, against a team like Boston if they meet up in the uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs. Yeah, I don't know, man. I it's tough for me to, to see either of these teams not meeting up there. Now, these teams all end up playing in, in 10 days. That game's going to take place um, in Brooklyn, so it'll be interesting. That's the TNT doubleheader, I think. Um, that uh, I think that's the first game of the night. So 
that'll be interesting. You know, talk about some of the world's best players, you know, talking about Tatum, talking about KD. I think we, we would we'd be uh, shortchanging some people if we didn't talk a little bit about Luca. You and I were going through before we did this podcast and we were looking at stuff and we found ourselves going down a rabbit hole. Uh, here we are looking at Wilt Chamberlain stats and it's not fair, okay, to, to really try to compare stats to Wilt Chamberlain. But, you know, we're talking about Luca. Like this dude's just been amazing recently. He's had what smooth uh, three fifty point games in his last um, last five games, just absolutely going wild. Um, the, one of the things that you and I tend to look at is sometimes like we're like, okay, you know what? Maybe the market hasn't reacted yet, but it seems like Luca right now. Like I get it, like you're in a zone, right? It happens, but at at some point, you know, when you make like the ESPN headlines and and people are talking about you know historic type games. You know, there are wagers that that sometimes that are appealing. You know, we, we sometimes we look at, at triple doubles and be like, you know what, this dude might might go for that tonight. I think Luka might go for a big game. Uh, they're going to play the Rockets. The Rockets are not a good team. The Mavericks are favored in that game by seven, seven and a half. I actually would take the Mavericks in that game because I think that the way that Luka's playing right now, if I can get the best player on the floor to go out there and just kind of just do his thing and do what he wants to do, um, that it's going to be real tough you know, for the Rockets to go ahead and deal with that. And the Mavericks have been putting up a ton of points. Uh, they're putting up like 122 points, I think, a game over like their last, you know, their last five games. But let's talk about like points, rebounds, and assists. Luca's current number right now, points, rebounds, and assists for this particular game is at 50 and a half. Now, he would have gone over this in five straight games had he picked up like one other rebound. I think it was like four games ago. So clearly he's on on some crazy mission. I mean, he's out there putting up 50. He's out there putting up 60. He could cover it alone, just points. And that's not counting the other night when he had like 21 rebounds and 10 assists. So do you feel like that number is, is a little short right now? Could we even consider it? You know, and, and look, and sharp guys aren't playing this over, but I think at times when you, when you find um, that a guy's just playing so well, he's going out there and just absolutely dominating everything, but there is motivation there as in like, Hey, I could be the MVP. I could go out and set records and do things like that. Like clearly Luke is on some type of a mission right now. He's not just going out there. I don't think, and just playing really good basketball. I think there's a lot of motivation involved. So let me just throw that at you. Luca points, rebounds, assists, 50 and a half. How you feeling about that? And and what do you think about his recent play? Because this is like MVP level stuff. Yeah. He's a, uh, you know, like you, Said he's at an MVP level stuff, but he's kind of been at this MVP level the last couple of years. Uh, just don't think he's had as strong a consideration because, you know, it, the MVP takes into consideration outside of the year Westbrook run it, uh, you know, teams that finish with a, you know, top three or better seed. Um, but with what Luca's doing right now, it's uh, pretty historic. Um, and, you know, looking at the number for his points, rebounds, assists for his matchup against the Rockets tomorrow night at 50 and a half, you know, even though um, he's hit this number uh, four of, of his last five games, I still think it's some value to play the over right now. Uh, the juice is to the over at minus 125. And, you know, his numbers for the season, his points, rebounds, assists combined to about 51.8. And over this stretch that he's been on over his last five to 10 games or so, he's well over that. And just given you know his style of play and what the and what the Mavs need him to do, um, I don't really think I don't really see this slowing down at you know at any point. Uh, right now, a couple of my favorite analytical stats that you know you know tell a lot about a game's tell a lot about a player's game and his efficiency is 
his player efficiency rating and his usage rate. And right now, Luca is currently number one in player efficiency rating and, you know, number two or three behind Giannis um, in usage rate. So with what the with what the Mavs need him to do and how efficient and effective he's been, you know, this season and, and on this tear, um, I think it's some real value in playing that number to the over. You know, you look at the Mavs as a team as a whole, you know, they have a, a 116 uh, 117 and a half offensive rating for the season. But over this stretch that Luke has been on these last six games, it's jumped up to 122. And, and with their pace uh, of play, you know, everybody knows that they're, they're probably the slowest team in the league, you know, for the last couple of years. And that hasn't changed. So with their offensive rating taking such a bump, it has to do with a lot of Luca's play and uh, this, these monster numbers that he's putting up. So I think, I still think it's some value, even though the the books have made a little bit of adjustment to his points, rebounds, assists, and his points numbers uh, with this tear he's been on, um, I still think it's some value to play that to the over. I'd like to know what his uh, percentage is for how much he, you know, it has the ball in his hands, you know, for each possession that, that are going up and down the court. Uh, the, the Rockets are going to be without probably their center tomorrow, uh, Sen Gun. He was out in the last game against the Knicks. But, you know, if Luca's grabbing rebounds and stuff like that, like he grabbed 21, 12, 6 his last three games, um, just having the ball in that guy's hands is just – it's just absolutely deadly. And I don't know, I sat on podcasts with uh, our buddy Dan Rivera, you know, and, and he had some Luca unders, and uh, they didn't pan out well, you know, when we were doing the podcast because it's just scary because you, you never know how many points that guy's going to go off for. But one thing I think that Luca realized, and I, and I talked about this – uh, I think either with you or I talked about it with McKenzie is that the one thing that Luca really needed to do, I, th- I thought in order to win an MVP was be able to compete with Giannis and compete with Jokic when it came to triple doubles. I felt like that was the one area where Luca was kind of struggling. And yeah, he has a bunch this year, but you know, he has two in his last three games, but you know, when you're putting up 50 or putting up 60, you're getting triple doubles. Like that's always going to make headlines. So I wouldn't be shocked if Luca goes out and he's like, Hey, you know what? We have a we have a, a decent advantage matchup here against against the Rockets team who's not very good. I can go out there and probably go out there and maybe like who was when was the last time a guy had like back to back fifty point games like something to make the headlines. Like if Luca goes out there and shoots thirty times and he comes up short, hey, you know, no big deal as long as they win, things are cool. But I wouldn't be surprised if he tried for another fifty point game, another triple double, because it would be you know back to back fifty point games, you know, three triple doubles, a sixty point game, historic. And I think that that's what Luke, what Luca kind of needs to do because, you know, the one thing that you talked about with Jokic is that like that dude's just steady Eddie. He's gonna go out there. He's gonna get you twenty five, ten and ten or whatever he's doing. I mean, he's insane too. And it seems like these two guys are kind of duking it out right now. Like Jokic is starting to step it up. He how many was he's got like four forty point games in his last ten games. So for me, it seems like it's again, it, it's probably with these two players. I like if they keep up on this pace smooth just your opinion so let's say like kd he probably doesn't have a shot tatum probably doesn't have a shot uh let's say maybe Giannis doesn't have a shot do, do any of those three players have a shot if luka and, and Jokic kind of just keep up what they're doing because they're playing they're insane right now um i i probably wouldn't count out Giannis just because he's also capable of, of putting up numbers like these two have uh probably doesn't have to do it as much because of the team that he's on uh, with uh, Drew Holiday having like a career year that he's having so far and 
them working back Chris Middleton. But uh, with how efficient and effective that Jokic is and, you know, the historic numbers and uh, usage rate, you know, that uh, Luka consistently puts up, I think those two guys will be at, at the top of that list. And as long as they keep winning, um, their odds are just going to continue to increase. You know, right now they're the uh, the top three favorite, uh, including, you know, Jason Tatum in that mix. And, you know, I think with the with the start to the season that he's gotten off to, uh, he was also putting up uh, some historic numbers. But with, when Luka got on this pace, it just kind of shattered everything because, you know, just going back to like I said, you know, uh, he does have some solid role players around him. But when it, look, when it comes down to, um, you know, guys that you can just give the ball to and get a bucket at, historic pace um nobody you know does it better than Luca right now uh you could probably go back to uh you know James Harden's Rockets days or you know Kobe's um days with the Lakers before they got Pal Gasol right after they traded you know Shaq um this you know this pace that Luca's on kind of reminds me of those two guys because they needed to do so much for their teams and they consistently delivered you know on a night-to-night basis at a crazy level so yeah um, with those two guys continuing to do what they're doing right now and, you know, winning while they're at it, uh, I think those two lead the way. All right, so let me ask you this question because I think that this is probably important for the listeners to kind of digest. Like, we know Luca's clearly in his zone right now, but do you think, like, laying money down on the Joker or KD or any of those guys right now makes a lot of sense? Would you rather wait? And, and, like, look, we, we know Luca probably has a plus plus advantage matchup here. Like let's say he just goes out and goes, you know, goes for 50. We've seen the market kind of react crazy at times where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, a guy is, you know, plus 350. And we now see Luca went from, I think he was like fourth or fifth in the MVP going back like two weeks ago. Now all of a sudden he's favored again. So if he puts another monster game together, maybe, maybe we just kind of just wait for this run. And then maybe we end up getting Jokic. You know, maybe we can get him at you know plus you know three fifty or three to one or, or a much better number. Like right now, I'm 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 kind of recommending, and I just see if you agree. Let's not play anybody else to win the MVP right now. Let's wait until this little Luca runs over because we're going to end up getting a really good number on some of these other players. And look, injuries happen at times, right? Luca might end up going out here playing, you know, insane the way he's playing and just overextend himself. Maybe he sits down for two weeks or something like that. And like we were talking about, you know, Jokic, Steady Eddie, guys just going out there doing his thing. Now maybe we have another, you know, one of those MVP tickets like you had in your pocket last year where, you know, I don't remember what you got. You got like four to one or it was some crazy number. It was a really good number. But is that something we should do? Maybe wait on these other guys, let Luca kind of just simmer back down, come down to earth. And then maybe maybe that's the best ticket we're going to get on these guys. Um, I kind of agree with that, but – it might be a little bit at its height right now in terms of getting the best number on a guy like Giannis or, or Jokic that we just talked about. Um, given that these this stretch, you know, that, that Luke has been on the last six games, you know, he has played against some really bad defenses. You know, when you throw in the the Lakers, um, the Rockets, uh, it's going to be playing twice within the last, you know, couple of days there uh, in San Antonio. You go back to that press conference that Pop had and, their goal was to keep Luca under 50. He went out and got 51. So um, this this run that he's on, I, I think it could kind of come to a little bit of a, a halt or at least not to the pace that he's at right now because their next three games is against Boston, New Orleans, and Oklahoma City. 
you know, those first two, you know, Boston and New Orleans, they're really good defensively, and they have a lot of bodies that they can throw at Luka to uh, try to contain him and slow him down a little bit from this pace that he's on. So right now at the at the you know, at at the uh, I think it's kind of at the height of um, of his uh, MVP candidacy being the favorite, and seeing how much that it already adjusted from a couple weeks ago, where he's about the fifth, maybe sixth uh, best odds uh, to number one right now. Uh, there may be a couple guys you can get in there now, and you know have some good value on. And, and my pick would probably be Jokic. Um, they're currently number one right now, and like we already talked about, he's playing at a, a historic level as well when it comes to his efficiency. Um, you know, and his numbers, you could argue that his numbers are just as impactful, you know, this year compared to the, you know, two previous years that he's won it. Um, and now they're, they're doing more winning. Uh, so, you know, that would be the guy that I would probably get involved with in terms of, you know, right now, because I don't think you're going to get a better, uh, you know, better price or better value on somebody like Jokic, who I think right now is a little bit undervalued given the pace that Luka's been on over the last six games or so. Yeah, I mean, Luka's been on an absolute tear. That team's won six games in a row, but, you know, we do have to talk a little bit about Denver. I mean, that team's won two games in a row. They won eight out of their last ten, and currently, you know, they're winning. You know, they're the number one team right now in the Western Conference. I'm just curious what you think smooth with this Nuggets team overall. Um, if they can win the West, you know, with, with this current roster that they have. For me, I have my concerns with them. The, you know, the fact that they got bounced out, you know, they've been swept in the past. I just worry that that the regular season with some of these teams, because if you go and you look up and down the injury report nightly, there's players out there that could clearly be playing that just aren't. So I'm not really necessarily sure, you know, how some of these teams really take, uh, you know, into, into consideration or, you know, just how much they're, how much they really just care about about the regular season anymore. It just seems like more and more players just don't care. And they just, you know, Hey, it's, let's get to the, you know, the postseason and, and things like that, that maybe the, the, that Denver could be a little bit of fool's gold right now, you know, sitting up at the top of the West. That's the only thing that concerns me, but I know how good Jokic is when you have the best player on the floor, he can take you to the finals. And we know that because Giannis did it. Uh, we've seen KD and Curry and those guys do it. LeBron's done it countless times. So, I wouldn't rule it out, but I do have my concerns. But I'm curious where you're at with Denver right now. I look at their bench, and I think that they need a piece or two. Like, they need to add something to this roster um, to, to help them out because their bench is extremely weak. And then I think maybe that this team could be a real contender. But it's a player or two short. I wonder if it's fool's gold. That's kind of where I'm at with Denver right now. But you got to give them credit, 24-12 and 12 in the year, number one team in the West. Can they keep it up? Can they win the West? What do you think? I'm kind of with that crowd that uh, I'm sold on the Nuggets. Um, just going back to last year, you know, they they played pretty much all year without their two of their top three players and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And they finished, you know, six with, you know, Jokic winning the MVP. And, you know, coming into this season, I was high on them because you was going to get those two guys back healthy. And it's, it's been paying off, even though um, those guys have been in and out of the lineup. Some some of their other you know role players have stepped up, like uh, Bones Highland coming off the bench, and uh, you know their free agent acquisition in the offseason, uh, Bruce Brown, and uh, KCP being there for another second year has uh, paid off you know pretty well. Um, so and, and these guys are coming back a little bit healthy. You know Aaron Gordon settling in to his role, but I do kind of agree with you that they. Uh, 
um, maybe another piece that could solidify their bench, but maybe a, a backup five. I'm not really sold on DeAndre Jordan. Um, you know, as he's gotten older, he's been, you know, less impactful. But, you know, the uh, the Nuggets, you know, they're my team. You know, one of my teams I like for their season win total to go over, uh, along with the team, uh, along with the Clippers. But I think this is something that they can keep up. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the Nets, you know, how the, the tear that they've been on, winning 15 of their last 16 and 13 of their last 14. And right behind them, you know, during that same span has been the Nuggets. Um, they've won 10 of their last 14, and their, their offensive pace is, you know, keeping up with them as well. So um, they're one of those teams at the top of that uh, top of that list, especially out in the West, um, that I'm, I'm pretty high on, and I think it'll keep up. Well, it'll certainly be interesting watching how the Nuggets end up performing coming down the stretch here. But, again, I will say, when you have arguably one of the best players, if not the best player in the league, um, you could find yourself right there. At the end, so it'll be interesting with that. You did mention the Clippers there. I do want to bring that that team up there. Smooth. They're going to end up playing the late game tomorrow night, and they're playing the Miami Heat. Now we were talking a little bit of, a while ago about like Penn State in a bowl game, but let me just bring this up and tell me if you think that this may affect the Clippers tomorrow, at least their home court advantage. Now we have the Rose Bowl going on tomorrow. I think that there's going to be a ton of traffic in LA. Uh, it's not going to be anything pretty. I don't think the Clippers fans are going to show up. One of the reasons is that Sunday you had the Rams and the Chargers. Both of those teams played at home. It's the last final home game for those teams. So if you were looking for a ticket for anything, you know, you're looking for a Rose Bowl ticket, you're looking for a Rams ticket or something like that. Do you think that there's any any possible chance that the Clippers could end up kind of with just an empty crowd tomorrow and we might end up with like a home court advantage that could almost be nil, I guess, in a way? Yeah, um, I agree with that. Um especially with this being, you know, the late game, you know, pretty much the last game on the card here with the late start at 740. And, you know, with the Rose Bowl going on with USC and um, Caleb Williams winning the Heisman, um, I think, you know, L.A. is going to be buzzing, you know, about that game, you know, more so than this Clippers game. And, you know, given how, how great the Clippers have been and with their roster and everything, um, they still come second fiddle in that in their own arena to the Lakers, even when the Lakers are down. So, um, you know, with the Rose Bowl going on there and with them having a late start, and like you already mentioned, that L.A. traffic and things like that, them already having a, a bunch of other, you know, games, you know, going on in that city. I think the uh, the Chargers and Rams just played tonight at, at SoFi. Um, so there's a lot of activity going around in L.A., but I think the – the game that's going to get the biggest buzz and, and the you know, most attention is going to be that uh, that USC, you know, getting Lincoln Riley and, and Caleb Williams, you know, uh, turning their uh, turning that program around in their first year there. Um, you know, I think that that city is going to be, you know, uh, giving all their support to that to that uh, to that team. You know, their home crowd could be affected by this. Um, and, you know, the Clippers, you know, like I said, they're not even, um, you know, in their own city. They're not, you know, one of the top three popular teams out there when you're talking about the, you know, USC, the Lakers, and the Dodgers. So I think they come behind all of those teams when it comes to, you know, support and popularity, you know, out in L.A. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a big issue with home court tomorrow for the Clippers. Yeah, I didn't even think about the USC stuff either. I mean, what happens if they win? You know, you're going to end up probably with another parade going on. And then don't forget, it too, that, that the college football – championship game that's going to be at SoFi 
So you might end up with like crazy traffic and stuff like that. I would just be careful, um, you know, when you're digging into your handicap and stuff like that, like look up travel stuff and see, you know, like if the Clippers are in and out of town over the next couple of days, Lakers are in and out of town over the next couple of days, you know, with their travel situations. Like sometimes we see like, you know, teams just get held up on planes for hours and, and shit like that. So just something to consider. But um, I don't know. I mean, I like this Clippers team. I mean, they're, they're playing really well, but. I wouldn't be shocked maybe if they sit a guy or something crazy like that. I mean, um, you never know. Um, I don't know. And the Heat, I think this is their final their final road game, and they're they're coming off of a loss. So maybe I would maybe look in that direction for that particular game. So smooth. Since we're talking about the Clippers, I do want to ask you about a wager that I found the other day that it made absolutely no sense to me. So go to your NBA odds and take a look at the Pacific Division odds. Currently, right now, the Phoenix Suns are the favorite. You can find them anywhere from plus 120 to maybe like plus 140. Well, plus 140 is probably going to be the best. And then the second team is the Clippers. You can get them at like plus 150, plus 160. Uh, The other day, I actually bet the Golden State Warriors at 9-1 to to win the Pacific Division. Now, you still have the Kings in there. Kings are right now the sixth seed. If, If you ask me, Smooth, there's no way in hell that the Suns should be favored when their best player is probably going to miss the next 12 to 15 games. The Suns aren't even leading the Pacific Division right now. Does it make any sense to you? Because if, if it doesn't, then I know that that at least we're giving some really good information to our people. I'm not saying go out there and bet anybody else, but what I'm saying is don't bet the Suns at plus 140 thinking that that's a good bet. I think they should probably be more in line of 3-1, to 4-1 to one area, maybe tied in there with the Warriors. I would actually favor the Clippers right now just because Kawhi's back and he's playing. It's probably still going to be another week without Curry, maybe another week or so, maybe without Wiggins. I don't know, man. It, it, that number just seems insane, insanely wrong to me right now. I just want your thoughts because without Booker, I don't think I think there's a chance that this team could actually miss the playoffs if he ends up missing – you know, up to like 20 games this year. I think the Suns, because they're reeling right now. This team's won four of the last 10 games. They're not playing really well right now. So what do you think? Is that number wrong or am I crazy? Yeah, Sleepy, I agree right here. Uh, we're, we're in lockstep with this uh, this opinion because when I saw those odds myself, um, that didn't make any sense to me either, um, especially right now with the Suns currently sitting in the seventh seed and the Clippers sitting in the fifth seed. And, you know, before the Devin Booker injury, you know, they were already the Suns were already dealing with a bad stretch of health uh, with Chris Paul missing significant time again. Um, Jay Crowder hasn't played a game with this team. They're currently looking for a trade for him. And Cam Johnson has missed you know a lot of time as well, along with campaign. And, you know, um, this Suns team has been a team that's you know been able to, to get by, you know, with a lot of key players missing injuries over the last couple of years. But I think it's finally catching up with them now. And. You know, with Devin Booker going down and him being down uh, for another uh, for a month or so, you know, they have a, a bad stretch of games with some some really good teams coming up here. About 10 of their next, you know, 15 games are against teams that are 500 or better. And, you know, you already mentioned that, you know, they, they're four and 10 out of their last 14 games. So I don't see that getting any better here. And um, I have no idea, you know, why the odds makers are still kind of high, still high on the Suns when it comes to, to win in this division when they're already, you know, down bad and, and struggling and their best player and their most impactful player in Devin Booker going to miss significant time. And the Clippers, you know, are, you know, getting healthy. And, you know, with the, the three or four teams in this division that have a realistic shot 
of winning it. You know, they're playing the best right now. They're the healthiest, and they have a top three to five coach in the league in Ty Lue. So I, I don't see that team getting any worse. I just see them getting better while I see the Suns getting, you know, getting worse where they are right now. And they could possibly, you know, they're, they're already in the play-in, but they can drop down to a, a number nine or, or 10 seed, you know, as Golden State and uh and portland can can jump those two so um i don't know if you said you would recommend playing you know the clippers right now to win this division at plus 190 um but that would be my pick right now for the clippers to take the pacific at plus 190 because i think it's some good value on them right now yeah i think playing the clippers now is probably the way to go because i i just i i don't i don't envision the suns rattling off a ton of wins i mean their, their next two months for that team is going to be difficult they have a lot of road games, and like you said, you know, over the next like what, like ten games, uh, they're going to play some really good teams. They really don't get you know lightened up until probably like the last twelve games of the season. They're going to have to make a lot of hay because there's just too many road games on there, and, and and against some good teams. So, my personal recommendation for everybody: do not bet the Suns to go ahead and win the Pacific Division. Um, I think that that right now is a bad bet, and I would actually look towards the Clippers or the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors are only what, a game and a half back, and once they get Curry back and once they get Wiggins back, there's going to be a, 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 at least, at a minimum, a seven-game stretch where those guys are on the on the floor and, and Booker's not. So I, I just I, I don't understand how that number is what it is, but look, I get it. You know, the Suns have been a really good home team. That that team was the number one team in the West for you know what, like the last uh, give or take, let's just say a year year and a half calendar, you know, in the NBA. So. Um, just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. I was hoping you agree with me on that, and I figured maybe because I know that you you know you've been a supporter of the Suns, but um, yeah, it just it just made no sense to me. I think if CP3 was playing maybe at like an elite level, and maybe they had like Cam Johnson back, and maybe Crowder was in the mix, and you know they were feeling good, you know because we've seen this team before. With I mean Devin Booker was out last year, right? Smooth at a point. He missed like a decent amount of time, uh, at least a couple of times. I think he had like a hamstring injury, and it didn't. It never slowed the Suns down. Like they were still ripping off wins, right? Yeah. Um, going back to the last two years, their top three guys, whether it be Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, they've all missed you know significant time at some point during the season, and they never really were affected by it. But I think this year it's finally catching up to them because uh, they're uh, dropping down the standings, and you know they're dealing with a bad stretch of health again. So. Yeah, it's finally catching up to him this year. All right. Well, that's a good conversation with that stuff. Let's swing over to uh, some of the trade stuff that I did want to talk about. Uh, we already knocked out Levine. We knocked out DeRozan. But let's go and let's talk about some other big-name players there. Like I said, I'll give you the player. You give me the percentage, and you give me the best fit. One of the names that, that popped up, and this one was a little surprising to me. I did not think you know, that he would end up being in any type of trade rumors, but if you guys have been watching, you know, Trey Young recently and watching some of the news cycles, uh, it doesn't seem like he's getting along with the coach. Um, I think he actually – didn't he, like, get benched or something like that smooth recently or, or there was something going on where um, the coach just wasn't really happy with him and, and feathers got ruffled. But ever since then, like, you know, it's been, hey, you know, this guy potentially could be traded. So uh, maybe you can clear up a little bit of the Trey Young stuff. But give me a percentage and give me the team where you think he might actually be, you know, best fit. This was a surprising one to me as well uh, because the Hawks, um, within the last two or three years or so, they were a team that made a, a pretty deep run in the in the playoffs there, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals against the 
the the Bucks at the year that they wanted and taking them six games. But you know, ever since then they've uh, you know come up short and uh, just uh, regressed back to uh, the play before. Um, you know, they got the coach fired and Nate McMillan took over. But you know, the uh, the rumors around Trey Young, you already mentioned that you know the him and the coach aren't really seeing eye to eye anymore. And um, going back to what really set it off, I think it was a game where um, Nate McMillan was expecting Trey Young to play. Uh, Trey didn't play. He sat out and he expected him to get some type of treatment and he wasn't. So that was like the story that kind of, you know, broke out and um, was reported on. But, you know, ever since then, there's been more reports that, you know, Nate McMillan is strongly considering – resigning or, or, or retiring at the end of the season um, that came from, from Shams. And, you know, pretty much anything that comes from Shams or Woj, you can almost certainly take it to the bank because there's uh, sources that are pretty reliable. So uh, with, you know, more news coming out around the Hawks and, and Trey Young when it comes to, you know, trade rumors or, you know, teammates, you know, not really getting along that well with them. Um, yeah, I just think that it's uh, you know increasing his uh, his uh, chances of being traded, um, but the market out there for them uh, for him, um, I think it might be a little bit thin. You know, given um, his play as far as uh, as far as fit. Now there are going to be a lot of teams obviously that would uh, line up to trade for Trey if he ever became available, which I think he will. Um, but another team that you know could be in the mix. Um, could be the Lakers. You know, I don't they don't currently have the pieces on their roster that I think Atlanta would be interested in uh, outside of a, a Westbrook, maybe a Westbrook package or if they could, you know, find a way to get a third team involved and make the salaries match that would land, you know, Trey in L.A. And you can, you know, maybe pair him with the last couple of years with uh, with LeBron and hope hopefully when A.D. comes back, you know, he can you know stay relatively healthy. I think that would be pretty, you know, pie in the sky, you know, thinking, given his uh, his track record and his resume. Uh, but, yeah, that would be another great fit, uh, a good fit that I would think that uh, he would, you know, um, be a good fit for if he, you know, somehow, some way, you know, found himself in a, in a Laker uniform. You know, after you were talking there, I started thinking about, like, Nate McMillan in a, in a, in a sense, and I'm thinking, like, it's not fair to that guy. And I, I think a lot of these head coaches get shit on because, you know, we were just talking about how some of these players don't play. And I get it. Like, the, the head coach has ultimate say, right? You know, if you play or not, medical staff has ultimate say if you play or not. But I think, like, just like these players just take for granted they could just sit down any night that they want to. But I think one thing that gets forgotten is that Nate McMillan also has a job, too. You know, he, that guy's got bills, too. You know, he's out there making big money, I'm sure. But I'm sure he has big bills, too. So when he's like, I'm wondering like, hey, like my job's on the line too, dude. And we're not exactly playing all that great. We're not winning games, uh, you know, that we're supposed to be winning. You're not playing when you're supposed to. I need you out there, dude. You know, so I can go ahead and maintain my job the same way that you maintain yours. So I think in, in a sense, sometimes move it, you know, it, it kind of, it shits on the coach a little bit. And I kind of feel like maybe that's a situation here why these two guys necessarily aren't getting along. Like, I don't know if you feel bad for Nate McMillan, but. I kind of do in a sense because I feel like that's all he's trying to do right now is just win basketball games, have his best player out there who, look, if Trey Young's not on the floor, you stand a really good chance of losing. So I don't know if you agree with that, but 
I kind of feel a little bit shitty right now, you know, the way that, that maybe Nate McMillan felt or the way that he was treated. And then talking about retiring. And I think a lot of that stuff, like when, you know, you hear older, older people and older players, you know, coaches and stuff like that, talk about retiring. It's just because they don't agree with what's going on because they played a different brand of basketball. They grew up with a different set of rules, you know, different households and all that shit like that. But I don't know how you feel about that, but as you were talking, I just started to think, you know, Nate McMillan's probably getting the shitty end of the stick here. Yeah, I feel bad for him, too. Um, you know, going back to the year where he took over as the interim coach, you know, uh, when that when, when that happened, you know, that team really took off. And, you know, they made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, like I said, and had not been for a, a freak accident, you know, injury to Trey Young in that series that caused him to miss the last two games. You know, they pushed him to six games with a healthy Trey Young, and uh, they were all playing well and, you know, sung his praises. And, uh, you know, they were one of the better teams in the league, you know, once he took over as the interim coach. So to see, you know, so much, you know, change from then when it comes to, you know, the relationships or how, you know, the star player and Trey Young has responded to him or him just all of a sudden, um, you know, with the – Within the recent, you know, last few days, the reports, you know, that you know he's considering uh, retiring, or you know, Trey Young want one out of Atlanta, um, you know, makes you want to be a, you know, a fly on the wall to, to wonder, you know, what the hell happened in such a short period of time to where, you know, they was all, you know, you know, singing his praises and and supporting him to, to this, you know, situation right now, and you know, you mentioned, you know, you know, a lot of guys being, you know, sitting out and. You know, this year I think they've been playing a lot of young guys that just hasn't been with the team a whole lot, uh, been in their, you know, their G League system. And, you know, the last couple of years they were able to play some solid veteran players in their rotation on a consistent basis. And that's just not the case right now. And it's an, it's obviously had an effect on their record and you can say an effect on their relationships and, you know, guys wanting to be there or not, whether it's the players or the coach. So. Yeah, it's just a, a bad turn of events for, for the team and feel bad for Nate McMillan because he's, you know, played in his league, you know, played for a couple finals. Uh, he has respect, or, you know, around his league from, from other players and other coaches. So, uh, yeah, he's getting a, a, short, a short end of the stick as well. So um, maybe it could turn around, but, you know, given the reports uh, that are coming out and how fast they're coming out, you know, I highly doubt it. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully they hopefully they come to some type of a resolution or, you know, Trey Young ends up getting dealt. I actually think the Lakers are actually a really good fit for Trey Young. I think that one of the things that the Lakers need is they need somebody to help assist the basketball. But, you know, they need an outside shooter. And I think that's one of the things that Trey Young probably wanted to get back to, like his three-point shooting. Um, it just it hasn't been, I don't want to say elite, but it seems like it's taken a dip at least in, you know, in three-point attempts per game. But it seems like he's kind of picking that up. But you know, one of the thing outside of assisting and, and, and shooting a three ball, which I think he'll probably do more if he ever does get to L.A., you know, that dude can get to the free throw line. I think that that's another thing that you need with that team is that guy can give you instant offense. He can get you right back in the game, not just shooting threes, but also getting to the free throw line. And you know, we've seen we've seen the Lakers at times, you know, struggle, you know, in, in, in those two areas in particular, you know, whether it be, you know, LeBron or AD at the free throw line or guys just can't, you know, knock down, you know, open shots from the outside. So it'll be interesting. I heard John Collins was also uh, being rumored as, as a guy maybe from Atlanta that could be on the move. 
But yeah, let's stick with maybe maybe some guys that could end up in L.A., at least, you know, a, a destination possibility. Uh, let me throw these two names at you. Uh, both of these guys obviously have been in the rumor mill, and that's Buddy Heald and Turner. I think there's a chance that either of those guys or, or maybe one or the other find themselves out of Indiana. You know, about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, uh, before, you know, Westbrook moved to the bench for the Lakers and starting having the impact, you know, that he's had, you know, with that team. You know, the trade package was, you know, for, you know, Buddy Hill and, and Miles Turner, you know, to the Lakers for some type of Westbrook uh, trade. But, you know, ever since, um, you know, that the Pacers team has played pretty well and, you know, currently competing for a playoff spot and, you know, the Lake or and, and Westbrook has, you know, turned around his game, you know, with the Lakers coming off the bench, you know, leading them in assists, um, having, you know, the most triple doubles in a player in NBA history off the bench and in, you know, franchise history. Um, I think that that trade talk or that trade package has died down. So outside of, you know, that package for Miles Turner or Buddy Hill, um, I don't really see a um, – a team that's as interested as the Lakers were at that point in time. But I think a team maybe like, you know, the Celtics could probably take a, take a shot at a, you know, at a miles Turner. Um, I know their roster is currently constructed uh, pretty well right now, but when you look at, uh, you know, beyond this year, um, if they swapped out like a, a Al Horford or somebody like that, or maybe even a, a Robert Williams to get a piece like a Miles Turner back, uh, that could be something that could really, you know, put them uh, put them over the top for years to come with, you know, Miles Turner's versatility. But um, a guy like Buddy Hill, you know, he's a, a, a he's a great shooter when he's on, but when he's off, you know, he's he doesn't really do anything else to impact the game and the other teams and other situations that he's been in. He hasn't really been a main contributor to turn or help a franchise turn around. And he's been in the league quite a bit. So I think the the more impactful piece out of those two would probably for me would be Miles Turner, you know, for a you know, a team looking like looking for a big, whether it be, you know, a team like the Celtics, a team like the Nets, um, you know, maybe the Hawks if they, you know, try to, you know, salvage the situation that they got going on there. But the two teams that stick out to my mind that could probably benefit from Miles Turner's services would be uh, the Celtics or the Nets. All right. I don't want to disagree or, or agree with any of that. I mean, a lot of that makes sense. Uh, what about maybe like um, what about like a Kyle Kuzma? You think there's a chance he could find his way back to L.A.? I've been hearing his name a lot. You know, would you give a percentage that he gets traded off there or maybe, maybe best fit for him? Because I feel like he's a guy that maybe one of the contenders would certainly try to pick up. Yeah, um, you know, there's there's been no secret uh, about, you know, Kyle Kuzma wanting to return back to the Lakers as well. He's even, you know, going to the point of uh, sending, you know, uh, subtle subliminal messages that he wants to return to the Lakers by, you know, wearing, you know, purple do-rags and, you know, purple Laker attire and stuff like that. And, you know, he's been, been performing really well. And I do think that would be a great fit if, He'll somehow end up, you know, in L.A. You know, I think that he is the type of player and he brings the skill set that the Lakers desperately need right now with, you know, some wing players, you know, that have some athleticism that can shoot and that can defend. And he has a history with the Lakers, you know, the championship that they won. 
he played a significant role in that, you know, being the third option or fourth option. And, um, you know, he really took off in that position, you know, learning how to be impactful, playing alongside of LeBron James and uh, Anthony Davis. So if they can somehow, some way, you know, pull off a trade that can land them Kyle Kuzma, I think that improves their, their chances of making the playoffs. But, you know, I think they'll need him and maybe another, another wing defender that has the similar skill set to a Kyle Kuzma. I feel like Kuzma's, you know, right now should probably be be coming into his prime. Like, it seems like that's what he's doing. I mean, his numbers are are probably better than they've ever been. But, you know, there were talks about Westbrook maybe being traded. Um, Do you think maybe, like, could you see, like, a Westbrook for Kuzma type of trade going down? A lot of people think, like, well, people had thought, you know, that maybe Beal would exit the Wizards. And I'm just like, I don't know if Russ would ever make it back to Washington. Like, I think a lot of these teams that had Russ on the team, you know, that he's played for, what, how many teams already? He's moved, like, four or five teams. I don't think he would ever find their way back on that same team again. So I don't know if that would happen, but, um, you know, the Lakers have, you know, been rumored like, Hey, you know, maybe Russ isn't going to be here, but is that a trade that might, that you could actually see like going down or no? Um, Financial wise, you know, if both teams were interested in swapping those two players, you know, they can make it work. But, um, you know, like I, like I said, um, Given the you know impact that Russ has had since he's come off the bench, um, I don't think that the Lakers would you know want to would want to trade Westbrook because you know what he does for the team now and the pressure that he takes off LeBron having to do everything all the time. So if they can add a Kyle Kuzma, you know, to that core, you know, with without having to without having to trade Westbrook, you know, adding Kuzma to that mix. Um, somehow some way they can you know do that but i really don't see any interest that the wizards would have him in bringing back uh westbrook um and you know trading bill i think it'll be difficult because of the contract extension that he just signed so yeah you know given you know the extension that some of these players that signed that are you know in losing situations um it'll be tough to you know you know find a trade for a fit, you know, try, find a trade for to a team that you know could benefit their skill set with, you know, having so you know little time to try to work on a trade. So I think those type of players, you know, could have a higher percentage of getting traded, you know, in the off season when they have a little bit more time to work out these long deals because they've already signed, you know, a, a big bag, and you know it makes it hard to to trade a player like that, you know, once they're you know already signed their extension. Yeah. You know, I I, I kind of think that if you if there was an award for like biggest heart or biggest team player out there, Westbrook should be like one of the guys for that. I mean, clearly, this dude's a starting player in this league, and he's taken you know a role off the bench. And I actually feel like 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 the Lakers would really shit on him, you know, if they got rid of him because. Well, one, you know, he, he said, you know what, I'll do this for you guys. So if, if you guys think this is the best for us and this is the best way we win games, then sure, I'll do it. And it's taken a while, right? I mean, I'm sure Russ wasn't happy about it, but, you know, he put the team before he put himself. So I think it probably took a lot for the Lakers to get them there, to get him there. And the fact that he's there now and he's doing what he's doing, it's like, all right, you know, we, we at least have that part figured out. Like Russ is doing his thing there and he can do this, that and the other. I, I don't know. I, I, I was kind of really in the camp where I thought Westbrook would be out of there. But the longer that this goes on, 
And the longer that he just remains, you know, on this team, even though they're losing games and shit like that. But I think it's just I, – I don't know if LeBron and, 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 and the brass with the Lakers would actually get him out of there, being that he's agreed, you know, to, to you know, the role that he's taken. Do you think that that's what's making it really hard, like maybe for you to even consider like him actually going just because he's, you know, he's he's a team dude? Yeah, because I was I was right there with you. You know, even though that that's my favorite player, uh, I think anybody that's followed me on Twitter, you know, knows that by now. Um, you know, but before he you know made the switch and accepted the role coming off the bench, uh, it just wasn't working out. Um, you know, he couldn't play his style of ball that he needed to play to be effective that they, you know, the player that they traded for, you know, with LeBron. So, you know, he sacrificed, you know, coming off the bench and given a player of that stature, I don't think, you know, uh, like casual fans understand, you know, how difficult that is for a player of his stature, his, his resume to, you know, to accept a role like that. Um, because I don't think that he was coming off the bench because he could no longer, you know, play starter minutes or have an impact as a starter but just giving up the makeup of the team, you know, um, the relationship that he developed with Darvin Ham uh, and the trust that he has with Darvin Ham, uh, you know, uh, going back and forth with each other. Um, you know, he was able to get him to buy in and he's thrived in that role. Um, but they have to figure everything else out on that roster as far as, you know, getting uh, the wing players and the shooting that they need to, you know, to, you know, make a consistent run and a, and a legit run to get back into uh that playoff mix and try to, you know, a pie in the sky, live up to their uh, preseason expectations to try and win a championship. But it's going to take a, it's going to take a miracle and it's going to take a trade. So it'll be interesting to see what they can pull off if they try to uh, keep Westbrook or, you know, if they have to include him in some type of package to get back what they need. Yeah. It's going to be interesting for sure. I mean, we're going to have to see what's going to all happen here, you know, with Anthony Davis uh, from what I'm hearing is that, you know, he's ramping up and, and getting ready maybe to go ahead and make his return. So Lakers are going to have to go ahead and put their foot on the gas here real quick. Uh, let me just go ahead and, and throw – let me throw three more names at you there, Smooth, and we can just go ahead and wrap up the podcast with that. Um, you guys kind of got some of our picks there and some of what not to do uh, when it comes to some of this stuff that Smooth and I had talked about. Uh, I'm going to throw three names at you there, Smooth. I'll do it one at a time. You give me the percentage. You tell me the best fit. Uh, one of the names that's that's coming up right now in trade rumors, OG Ananobi. Uh, tell me about him. What do you think where he might end up and what you think his percentage he's added there? Really uh, well-liked player throughout the league. Plays, you know, both ends of the floor there. Uh, given the state of the Raptors, I don't think that he's going to stick around at the deadline. So I would say I'm pretty high on him being moved. I would say, uh, you know, north of 60%. And, you know, I could, you know, see a team like the Knicks, maybe. Interesting, because I was going to ask you about a player that's on the Knicks. Two two guys were actually rumored, one being Julius Randle and another one, OB Top. And I think OB Toppin might be one of the guys that get out of there. But let's just say, let's say OG ends up there. One of those guys probably aren't on that team, right? Yeah, I would, um, I would probably say OB Toppin more than Julius Randle. Um, because they invested a lot in Randall and, and, you know, he's resembling his play to where he was the first team all NBA a couple years ago. So if they can pull off some type of trade package, you know, that could keep them, you know, uh, Brunson, uh, RJ Barrett and Randall and, and try to add a, a OG on the to that mix. You could probably get the Knicks back into that, you know, top five 
or or, or a slightly better mix there. So, yeah, those guys, you know, both being rumored out, I can see a, a nice trade package around those two guys. I'd be surprised if Randall actually got out. I feel like he's just he's just a Knicks guy. Um, he's been gutting out, you know, seasons with that team. Let me throw one more final name at you here. How about Bojan Bogdanovich? What do you think about him? Been hearing him a lot in the trade rumors too. Yeah, there was a, a lot of rumors heating up with uh, a trade package. You know, some type of trade package from the Lakers for for him and Bogdanovich. But you know, the Pistons were you know dead set on keeping him. I'm, I'm not really sure why because you know they're in the mix right now for you know Victor Wembanyama. Um, you know, have, they have the least amount of wins you know, in the league. And um, I'm not sure why they would want to hang on to a veteran player like him. But, um, yeah, if if those trade talks can pick back up for the Lakers, he'll be a great fit there. I think he'll be a great fit in Portland, also uh, Phoenix, since they're also down, you know, some wing players. Um, So there'll be a lot of good, a lot of good places that he would be a fit. But uh, I think, you know, Detroit could be playing a, a little bit of hardball because of how you know great of a year he's having for the Pistons, might take a you know a first round pick or something like that. Maybe some young players back in return, but I don't think Detroit will will hang on to him on the trade deadline. So I'm a little bit higher on him being moved more than uh, OG and Anobi. I'd probably say you know north of seventy percent that he's moved by the deadline. All right. Well, we talked a lot about the Lakers. Their name just keeps coming up when we talk about trade stuff. So why don't you just give me a percentage of of a that the Lakers actually make a move because, you know, they are hard strapped, you know, for cash right now, picks and talent um, that they can go ahead and dispose of. So, you know, give me, give me a percentage of, of the Lakers actually making a, let's just say a, a move that actually moves the needle with them. I'm at about 80% that the Lakers will, you know, make a move, you know, given the, the play or the year that, you know, LeBron is having and even going back to the, the play that AD was having before he got hurt. Um, you know, you don't want to waste those two guys' years that they're having and them also finally figuring out, you know, uh, the best way to, you know, have Russ, you know, play a role that has the impact on the team that they expected. Um, they're going to have to make a move to try to salvage what they have the rest of this year. And I think it'll be for some some wing depth, some wing players that can defend and shoot. So, uh, sometime now, you know, leading up to their trade deadline, uh, I think they're going to add, you know, a couple wing players that could, you know, improve their roster and uh, hopefully improve their chances of, you know, uh, being a playoff team and, you know, trying to make a, a playoff uh, push in the playoffs. So I'm about 80, 85 percent that they're going to make a move here. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same camp with you there. I feel like it's, it's a really high percentage that the Lakers do something. I think the only way that they don't, is if like LeBron goes down or AD, you know, comes back and he ends up going down. Like if they just, if, if they're staring the season in the face, that's just lost, then they're just going to be like, screw it because they're still in the mix. I mean, it's not like they're that far back. I mean, luckily that, you know, they're able to, you know, knock out some of these wins. I mean, LeBron had a really big game the other day, so it'll be interesting to see, but this is an excellent podcast. Glad to be back kind of on our grind here with smooth talking some NBA, talking some hot topics. You guys got a couple picks for us there uh, for Monday, so hopefully you guys end up uh, following along, making a little bit of money. But that'll wrap it up. You guys know where to find Smooth and I. Uh, you guys could always get us on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame at Smooth underscore 702. And you guys could always get us at the best sports betting information site on the web, 
pregame.com. With that, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck for NBA Monday. Enjoy the games.